All right. Happy Monday, everyone. Welcome back to the show. It's yes. time for a little weekend recap with That's your right. two favorite Joes. Yes. As the man on my right, Dominic Salee, is here to join me once again. Mm-hmm. We got a lot to go over. We had a lot to present oh. to you on Friday. That means we got a lot to clean up here, Dominic. UFC yes. Vegas 50, Bellator 276, one lights out. Right? Yes, right. Eagle FC 46, PFL Challenger Series. Everybody's favorite show. Yeah, (laughs) It's all here, baby. And even a couple little itty-bitty fight announcements and a couple big fights announced as well. They are nice, yeah. So before we get into all that, because that's just, I mean, it's going to be a a doozy. You guys need to buckle up, need to strap in. But before we get into it, you got to check in on you, Dom. How was the weekend? It was a very good weekend, jam-packed full of fights. Uh, had a lot of work this weekend as well. Next grad school class is getting started, so it was busy, right? A busy week, busy weekend of fights, but I'm here in the studio today. I'm excited to recap all of it with you. Uh, a big week ahead. The UFC is going to be back on the road. They're going to London this weekend. Then, no, I heard they're coming to OHIO the following week, so uh, we got some exciting weeks coming up for uh, UFC fights as well as some other things in the MMA world. Some news that's going to come out, and I'm ready to get cracking this week, Noah. How are you on this Monday? I'm feeling good. Feeling really good. I mean, it it, it was quite a grind this weekend. I mean, it mm. started Friday morning. Didn't stop till going into Sunday morning, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We lost an hour True. in the middle of the night with the daylight savings time, I believe is what it's called. So, you know, a little sleepy here because, you know, it's it's – I mean – it's twelve thirty, but you know, give me some, you know, give me some slack. It's We're wiping the out the crusties, yeah, you know. Come on, yeah. give me some slack. I, I, I work hard during the week so I can sleep in on the weekend, people. Right. right. I mean, right. But I'm thinking ahead, Dominic. The next two weeks are going to be quite a ride for me. Oh yeah. This this next weekend, I'm going to be in Tennessee on a bachelor trip or ah. bachelor party trip for one of nice. my buddies who's getting married. Um, so I'm gonna have to try to fit in UFC London into <laughs> yeah. that the daytime into that card, schedule. Yeah. yeah, which I think bodes well for True. for True. for <laughs> us for me. Um, but then also the following weekend we're going to Columbus, baby. Damn right, so, baby. I mean, we got a we got a whole whole group going with us, going VIP. Oh yeah, the only way we know how, <laughs> of course. And uh, so I just got to get some things ready for that. Gonna have to come back home for that. It's all fun though. It's all good stuff, right? A lot of oh, vacation yeah. days at work. You know, sure. I, I get a lot of them. I gotta start using them. You know? <laughs> That's right. So it's gonna be a fun couple weeks, but Amen. you know, we gotta we gotta start with this, right? I mean, this show this shows what's is number one. Our baby. just because we just because our schedule. You know, gets a little loopy. Hey. Doesn't mean we can uh, start dissing the show. No, the show goes on, baby. Jordan Belfort, yeah, Leo, exactly. Bellator two seventy six is where we're gonna start. How about them getting the I headline know. and spot today? We Woo. gave them, we gave them the last spot. Yeah, on Friday, and here they are with the number one, the headliner, show stealers in St. Louis, Missouri, Adam Borch. Defeats Mads Burnell via unanimous decision. Bellator so far in their non-title main events, they're really loving. They're 
reaping the benefits yes. of the five round non title main events, which I know is a point you wanted to hit. So I kind of apologize for I've done it to you a time or two. You're good. <laughs> for taking that from you. But true it's true though. I mean, yes. here we have what is their best fight of the year, in my opinion. And yep. it, that takes the spot from the last non title five round main event they had between uh Neiman Gracie and Logan Storley. Yep. This fight was fantastic as far as just a very competitive. The scorecards wouldn't have really told you that, but whoever scored at 50-45 was uh, for Boric. I mean, come on. Yeah, come on. Uh, this fight was more competitive than that. 49-46 is, is, is okay. Right. But Adam Boric was the underdog here, and he just seemed to have a lot. He was the more known of the as the striker of the mm-hmm. two. And I think that showed when it came to just the amount of combinations he put together. Yes. He was very creative, very um, – he was mixing it up quite a bit, throwing yeah. a lot of kicks, a lot of punches. Mads Burnell was doing fantastic body work, even seemed that it was going to slow down Boric in like round three. But then Boric digs deep, ultimately – comes out even stronger in the championship rounds and gets the victory. So, Dominic, I'm going to give allow you to give your thoughts. And also, what does this mean for the winner, Adam Boric, who should find himself as the only guy ranked number two in the division following this? <laughs> yeah, we got to love the ties, right? Uh, but it, it was a really great fight, tit for tat, on the feet for 25 straight minutes. I mean, we love those types of fights. As Noah said, the five-rounders are paying dividends for Bellator, the non-title fight five-rounders, I should say. Um, and this was, you know, a, a title earning performance, title shot earning performance, I should say, for Adam here, just to, you know, have his toughest test to date. Uh, the guy's an absolute stud. He's 18 and one now, I believe, overall. So he's been going through the ringer. He reached up here with Burnell, who was a heavy favorite over a two to one, uh, went tit for tat all five rounds. And uh, he looked great throughout. It was a great fight from both. Uh, but for Adam here to solidify himself amongst the top, I think it's title shot time next, Noah. Yeah, so the winner of, well, potentially the winner of the rematch between yeah. AJ McKee and Patricio Pitbull. I mean, be careful what you ask for. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's going to be a crazy fight. Adam Borch, though, I, I listen to some other podcasts that seen and some other people that just have been watching Bellator a lot longer than we have and stuff, just to try to get an idea of kind of what's the vibe of this fight. You know, yeah. what's... Because this fight just this is why it was last. I just I I I I was interested in it, but I didn't know a ton about these two. Yeah. You look at their records and it tells you a story. Like obviously they're highly regarded, have done really well since coming to Bellator. But to me, I just wanted to know more about like what was the expectation here. I saw Burnell was the favorite, two to one favorite, even. Yeah. It seemed like Boric has always been, up to this point, really good but not of the elite. At least that was sort of the expectation on him. Right. <clears throat> well, here I think he really kind of threw that out the window. I think he showed how good he can really be. Absolutely. To put that output together for five rounds, it was really something special. And um, I'm not sure how a fight with him and Pitbull or him and McKee would go, but – I definitely think it's a lot more competitive than most would have thought going into this fight. So that's a win if you're Adam Boric. Yeah, 100%. Let's move on to UFC Vegas 50, Dominic. 
50 we start with the main event in the Apex. That's crazy. Yeah, we started this podcast on like number six. So. Yeah, it's but we've been through the ringer here. <laughs> uh, Magomed Ankalaev will now be in the top five more than likely when the rankings come out as he gets the unanimous decision win over Tiago Santos. I mean, really, the story of this card was just how crazy it was. Left yeah. was right, up was down. I mean, flipping expectations on its head. Underdogs were winning. You know, I mean, fights were going to distance that had no reason to go to distance. It was crazy comebacks. Yeah, I mean, the the, the card was insane. Really, it was yes. a great card. Yes, but its main event may not have been the reason why. So, Dominic, <laughs> I want you to give your thoughts on this five round main event and what is this performance going to be enough for Ankalaev to potentially get a title shot? going in i would have said if he wins this yes because it would have been eight in a row it is eight in a row but the fight itself relatively lackluster throughout um he did show that he can look good for all five rounds and not get tired it was his first opportunity there in a main event so for that i respect but i think win streak aside that didn't necessarily do it for me because you also have to bring into account that Tiago has not been the same Tiago since he had his title fight. So all things considered, it is a big win. It's his biggest of his career for Magomed. But I think one more win, maybe, you know, I know Ariel Hawani put out uh, Anthony Smith. I still want to see Smith versus Dominic Reyes, but I'm okay with Smith versus Ankaliyev here too. Either way, I think one more win and it's title shot time. And I don't know, maybe he does this same thing again in another main event. Uh, maybe he doesn't even get another main event after this because of how the fight played out. But a good performance. He held strong throughout. It was relatively easy for him. Tiago only had one moment where he did kind of drop him with one that gl- glanced him on the head. But outside of that, he did what he did. He didn't grapple as much as I expected, but when he did, it paid dividends and was easy. I think he could have implemented that earlier and potentially done a little bit more damage. But who am I to judge? He gets the win eight in a row. Yeah, this fight kind of sucked, but that's okay. It was a great card. Yeah. I didn't expect a ton from this main event. I think Tiago Santos showed me a little bit more than I was expecting. He took a round. He dropped on Kalaev. That's even more than I thought we were going to get. But overall, it was kind of what I expected. Ankalaev had a lot of respect for Tiago's power. Tiago had a lot of respect for Ankalaev's just well-rounded game. And yeah. because of that, he was very tentative. Ankalaev, I wouldn't say was tentative. He was backing Tiago up to the fence most of the Whole fight. fight. Yeah. But he was definitely not... He If he would have really pushed it, you know at risk of getting knocked out, he may have been able to get a finish here. I think so too. I think it was probably the smarter route to do what he did. I mean, Tiago, you saw the power. I mean, even in rounds four and five, he was throwing some crazy punches when he would throw them and they were fast, you know, hard to really uh, measure when those are going to come. But this fight isn't going to earn Magomed any new fans. And I already thought it was an uphill battle for him to try to earn a title shot here. This definitely didn't yeah. earn him a title shot. Yeah. Here's the way the title picture is right now. Glover Teixeira is going to defend against Yuri Prohaska in the summer. Yep. Meanwhile, we are assuming we're going to get Jan Blahovich versus Alexander Rakic rebooked. Yep. 
I would say if he had came out here and starts Tiago in the first round, that would have really put the pressure on Jan and Rakic to yeah. to put a statement together, especially Jan because Jan's coming off that loss of his title. But for Rakic, if Rakic wins, I mean, I don't see how you give Oxford a be title next. fight yeah. over him. Rakic kind of maybe should have gotten it over Yuri. I I like that Yuri got it, but I'm just saying there's an argument to be right. made. So, Bronklyev, it's there is the question of kind of what's next. What do you do with them? The Anthony Smith was thrown out there. Um, I just want someone that's going to bring a fight to him. To be honest with you, Kudalaba yeah, did that. Do that. Yeah, right. And that obviously didn't go well for him. But I want someone that's a little better, you know, a little more well-rounded, a little more skilled than mm-hmm. Kudalaba, who's not afraid to get in the pocket and really take it to Bronklyev. Yeah. This fight. Volkanus Demir. I mean, this fight to me didn't do any more in my the way I view how highly I view Ankalaev. It was not boosted. Right, this fight. It he's was where not, he was. Yeah, it didn't lower it. But I mean, the Volkanus Demir fight told me what I needed to know here. Yeah, right. It was nice to see that he could go five rounds without getting any tired or right. You know, showing any sort of holes, but. I kind of expected that anyways, so I don't know. This fight was sort of a, I mean, it's not going to be one you're going to remember. And no. on a card that is so memorable. Especially, yeah. This is, this, it made it look even worse, I think, you know. Yeah, because it was like, yeah, exactly. A card that was so wild and crazy and had all these finishes, and then you had this at your main, as your main event, I mean, kind of brings it down even more because right. by comparison. Yeah. But um, for Tiago Santos, I mean, he needs to take a big step back. Big step back. I actually think he should fight Dustin Jacoby. I think that would be, That'd a, be a fight. That's a good fight. Yeah. Dustin, Dustin kind Jacoby, of that new wave, you know? You know, Jacoby, I think, earned it. I think he's underrated. I think he's finally kind of getting some of the respect he deserves. He's, I think he's number 15 now in the rankings. Yeah, yeah. Do I necessarily think Jacoby should be fighting someone who's probably going to be ranked number six. Normally, no, but Tiago doesn't really feel like the number six best light Not right now. to me. And because of that, I think he just needs a step back. He needs a, to fight someone a little lower. You know, Take that step back. Dustin Jacoby would be that. But still, not an easy fight. Dustin Jacoby is a very good kickboxer. And yeah. I mean... I don't know. I don't know what else you really do with Tiago. He's 38 years old. It's, yeah. it's just, I think at this point, the the guy that took John Jones to the brink is not there anymore. That's yeah, the just, title picture is definitely out of the realm now for sure. Yeah. But also on this card. Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> we saw an absolute barn burner of a first round between Drew Dober and Terrence McKinney. I think we all kind of expected something frenetic here, something that we were going to remember. You know, it just felt like a very big, it felt like a big fight. You know, Drew Dober, Drew Dober, the veteran, but a guy who has earned the respect of the fans by always putting on fun fights, but in wars, never saying no to a matchup. This guy stepped up and fought Islam Makachev when nobody else would. Obviously he lost that fight, but He's got like his records not the cleanest, but a not never an easy night out against no, him. no. Now Terrence McKinney is the new guy on the scene, two and zero, 
hadn't, I don't think he had ever gotten out of the first round. Uh, but maybe one time he has, I don't know. He's basically been a first round finisher his entire MMA career. He got the seven second knockout in his UFC yep. debut. Y'all know the, the, y'all know the, the hits there. <laughs> so Terrence McKinney takes this fight on short notice he was the underdog going in. Me and Dominic both thought, man, Terrence McKinney riding this wave. He's got all yeah. this momentum. It felt like a fight Terrence McKinney was going to win. And I looked like here, <laughs> when the fight took place, it looked like this was going to be over almost as quickly as the Matt Frivola fight yeah. was. Coming right out, Terrence McKinney throwing monster head kicks where the knee landed straight on the temple. Yeah, Dober was dazed. Um, he landed back to back. Dober somehow staying alive. McKinney <laughs> was throwing crazy punches with Dober up against the fence, landing a couple. I mean, Dober was nearly out multiple times. Yes. But Dominic. Jawline of steel. Drew Dober said, call an ambulance, but not for me. Oh, call an ambulance. Call an ambulance, but not for me. And he came back and got the victory three minutes, 17 seconds into round number one. Your thoughts on the fight and what does this fight mean for both guys? Yeah, if there's ever a fight that only lasts three minutes but deserves fight of the night honors, it was this one right here. <laughs> uh, this was absolutely insane. Terrence McKinney, stock doesn't go down, bud. I promise you that. Not in my eyes anyway because he comes out, he takes his fight on short notice against a guy that we – I said he's going to get battle tested. We're going to see him go into the second, into the third. It might go the distance. Well, I was definitely wrong on that, but he got tested. He gets finished here, so he gets his first UFC loss, but uh, not without just throwing caution to the wind, man. The biggest takeaway from Terrence's side, which we discussed offline, and it's not even – I guess it's not a negative takeaway because, to me, the vibe I got is that he's coming in on no training camp, right, two-week turnaround. I'm just going to give it all. And if I get tired and get finished, that's what will happen. And that's basically what did take place because he he threw it all out there. Dober wouldn't go away. He's like, holy shit balls! what do I got to do to finish this guy? Dober flips positioning, finishes him with a nasty ground and pound. Big win for Drew Dober, too. I know this was a short-notice mm-hmm. opponent. It's a new guy. Terrence McKinney has a lot of momentum. So I don't care what your record is in the UFC. If you can defeat someone that has that momentum, it does a lot for you. So Drew Dober being the veteran that he is, weathers the storm, gets the finish. I think it was a great performance from both. Amazing from Drew Dober, the perseverance. We saw it all throughout this card, and this was uh, the biggest statement of it there. So unreal three minutes. Absolutely crazy. It might be something to monitor going forward if Terrence McKinney's cardio might be the thing that prevents him from, you know, being that guy for his, you know, is he going to be this dangerous his whole career? Are people going to figure him out, figure out, okay, You just have to weather the early storm. Yeah. And then he, you know, is very vulnerable. The reason I say that, I get it, short notice, all that. But he did just fight a couple weeks ago and did have a full trading camp going into that Mm -hmm. fight. So how much do you lose in the two weeks since then? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't don't think it's a guy coming off his couch and stepping in. I mean, I think he was still pretty close to peak uh, form. But... I expect him to have better cardio in the future for sure. Um, here, I mean, he was definitely cautioned to the wind. So yes. um, clean some of that up, be a little more composed. Uh, you know, 
when you hurt someone, maybe don't throw out, you know, it's very easy to say this now, but yeah. in the moment, I don't blame him for doing what he did, but you see it time and time again, when these guys that can weather that storm, when they have the durability to withstand that punishment, some guys just gas themselves out trying to finish the fight. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's kind of crazy how, you know, you get so tired punching someone in the head and they aren't getting all that tired from getting punched in the head. So um, both got bright futures ahead. I love the call out from Drew Dober, called out Bobby Green. Oh, I mean, dude. That's a great fight. That's perfect fight. Makes so much sense, too. Paul Felder mentioned five rounds. I mean, I said, I kind of looked at it like, okay, I mean. Let's make these. We should have these main events mean something. I You're mean, right. it, it's a great fight. I'd love to see it five rounds. Right. Make it if we're if we're just kind of if Moicano RDA is five rounds, why can't this then this one round right co-main event? But right, probably won't be. I think it's more like a three round co-main event. But you know, I'm just being realistic. But I love it, the fight. Oh, I'd say that fight. fight will happen. Bobby's not going to turn down anyone. They haven't fought each other either. That's a. Mm-hmm. And they both feel like they're on equal footing, like right yeah. outside that top fifteen. You know, yes. that's that feels like where both these guys are for sure. Let's talk about Eagle FC forty six, Dominic, and the main event of this card was Kevin Lee and Diego Sanchez. Kevin Lee does get the win. <laughs> Still sounds weird, but it didn't come as easy as we thought. He gets the win via unanimous decision. I'm also on this fight. Rizvan Kunayev made the first defense of his Eagle heavyweight title, Eagle FC heavyweight title. I don't know how you should say that, but it, with a submission over Anthony Hamilton just over a minute into the first round. Uh, Dominic, your thoughts on Eagle FC 46? I know we were pretty critical of this card going in, even though we liked the last card in America, Eagle FC 44. Did the card overall exceed your expectations? Did it meet your expectations or was it even worse than you thought it was going to be? I guess it was, I guess it technically would have exceeded my expectations because of how the main event played out, I guess, because Mm -hmm. I was so nervous going into this, that Kevin Lee was just going to come in steamroll Diego. We were so critical of the matchmaking and rightfully so, by the way, I believe we had rightful cause going in, but Diego, he's tough as shit. That's just that's always been the storyline of his career, and he showed it again here against Kevin Lee. Uh, apparently, Kevin Lee blew out his knee in the first round, like the first kick that Diego landed. So if that is the case, then that sucks for Kevin Lee, obviously, because we didn't get to see him at his full 100%. Uh, but even still, the fight was relatively lackluster. Kevin Lee did control throughout. Diego had his moments on the feet, and he did just compete at the end of the day, and that's more than what I could have asked for for that one in terms of the main event. Rizvan, yikes. I mean, he had like a spinning wheel kick. Then he gets a standing guillotine choke over Anthony Hamilton. That is piss-poor matchmaking, I think, just because Hamilton was coming in off of a loss. He's 41 years old. He's 18 and 11 now. Just, I don't know. It didn't feel like it was. It made sense. Kunaev is like legitimately a really talented heavyweight, I feel like. So that was one-way traffic. Uh, and then I know you're going to touch on one more that I didn't get to watch. But overall, it did exceed my expectations because the main event didn't play out negatively. So uh, two for two, I guess. 
So for me, um, when it came to watching this card, I felt like the majority of the card did kind of exceed my expectations, yeah. or at least meet them. Um, you were talking about kind of the big fights. Like, the rest of the card was pretty competitive. There was a lot of split decisions, which mm-hmm. I know could frustrate some people. But for me, I looked at it like, okay, you know, kind of talent, or, I mean, it's sort of a credit to the matchmakers. I'm not sure who's putting these fights together, but... You know, they don't have a, they're just working with the guys they have signed. It's not yep. like they have a rankings and, you know, pretty clear yep. idea of who's where. Here, you're kind of, I mean, throwing darts and hoping that they land somewhere close together. And for the most part, I would say the matchmaking is actually, I actually kind of applaud it. I didn't expect that going in. Mm-hmm. But there was pretty glaring omissions from, from that as well. And the main event was one of them. I know it ended up being more competitive than, and dare I say, it was a competitive fight. And, you know, that to me doesn't, I guess, it still doesn't take away from what we said in the lead up here. I mean, they still... This was all credit to Diego for the heart he showed. I mean, the guy is still a warrior. He's one of the toughest guys that the UFC's ever had. I mean, just that he deserves a lot of praise for how he fought here. Yeah. With that being said, if that first leg kick that he throws doesn't tear the ACL of Kevin Lee, yep. does that fight go differently? I don't know. I thought Kevin Lee looked a bit sluggish here. He, he didn't look great on the feet. Not that that's ever been his bread and butter, but I mean, look at he knocked the way he knocked out Gregor Gillespie back that's in the disgusting. day. Disgusting. I mean, yeah. Come on. But uh, Kevin Lee didn't look great here, if I'm being honest. I mean, he won every round, but like, <laughs> not convincingly. I mean, it, yeah. was, it was a closer fight than it had any right to be. And then your coming event, heavyweight title, you took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, it's that Anthony Hamilton should have never been in this position. It didn't make a ton of sense. It was purely for Kunaev to mm-hmm. get a big win. I looked up, I, I didn't, I forgot that Kunaev was on the contender series last yeah. season. And yeah. um, he won the Eagle title, went to the contender series, didn't get a contract. So then he came back here, but he did win was, on the contender, right? Yes, he did. Yeah. And was defending against Anthony Hamilton. So I almost wonder, I'm not sure if he's one of, uh, Ali Abdelaziz guys, but I wonder if this was like, is this matchup put together so that he could get a big win and then the UFC might come yeah. calling again? Right. That feels a little shady if, if that's the case. Um, and then the big one, Erwin Rivera was on this card, and I didn't really know this going in. I wasn't paying attention to the undercard for this yeah. one that much. Erwin Rivera, and I'm not going to claim to know all the facts of the case, but from what I understand, at the beginning of 2021, Erwin Rivera was charged with a few things, but attempted murder of his two sisters. He apparently, they were worried about his mental health. They came and stayed with him. In the middle of the night, they woke up to him stabbing them repeatedly and saying he was doing it for a higher power. I guess he hadn't slept in like eight days. I mean, mm-hmm. really wild stuff. Uh, the judge did not um, find him guilty due to reason of insanity. 
He spent months in a psych ward, and here he is fighting a little over a year later for a pretty major MMA promotion. He gets a big win. He looks good. And then he gets on the microphone. He has a sister in there with him. They're both really emotional. And the post-fight speech was something to behold. It's something to behold. It really was. Um, He said that he was treated like an animal. um, That, you know, he never does drugs or anything. This could happen to anybody. He said that he was just as much a victim as his sisters were. All in all, I didn't feel very comfortable mm-hmm. <laughs> here. You know, there's not many times as an MMA fan, uh, contrary to what some would say, there's not many times that I that I watch something re- relating to the sport of MMA where I go, oof, that's not a good look. That's right. Not, that's not something that I'm, you know, that... I, I need to turn the other cheek from this one. Um, you have those instances. It feels it, in order to be a, a true hardcore fan of the sport and be in the position we're in, right, Dom? We we have this podcast where we talk about all the happenings of the sport. Mm-hmm. There are things that we gloss over. There are things that we turn the other cheek to. You kind of have to if you want to stick. If you abide by a very strict moral code you're gonna have a hard time sometimes with this sport or really any sport but this one specifically because you do have these things like john jones and all of his and his shenanigans and fighter pay that's the big hot button topic and the you have a lot of these character you know these guys like uh when mike perry is showing some very um scary behavior tony ferguson matt hughes a lot of these guys we tend to focus on you know tony ferguson got booked with michael chandler and we're both excited for it right but then there's a part of me in the back of my head that's like is tony ferguson really okay though like he went through a really tough Mm -hmm. time then and he's not been winning his fights he's you know these are things i think about if john jones we sat here and criticized John Jones for his last instance of uh, domestic uh, abuse or domestic violence and said that he shouldn't be in the UFC anymore. But if tomorrow him and Stipe got booked for the interim title this summer, I think we would both be pretty excited about that. Right. So there, there is like some things you have to kind of just accept sometimes and, or you can choose not to. You can choose to do it. You can, if you if you feel strongly enough, you can, you know, boycott that person's fights or mm-hmm. whatever. But I sat here with this this uh, post fight speech going on, and I just felt like this card was irresponsible. That's the best word I can put it. Sure, you had some good matchups in between, but the big takeaways I had were the was the fact that Diego Sanchez still got put in a fight a few months out of the hospital for with COVID yep. against Kevin Lee. The expectation being that Kevin Lee would smash him. Kunaev being fed Anthony Hamilton, who should be nowhere near fighting for a title of this caliber. And Erwin Rivera, a little over a year after attempting to murder his sisters, 
was fighting again and being given in the in the commentary team were treating it as if this was a second chance a redemption arc didn't love it you know mm-hmm. so i you know to say it met my expectations i don't know if i can really say that i mean it just it just made me reflect a lot and you know the sport moves so fast that i'm going to say does. all this i'm going to say all this now and by thursday when the next episode comes out, it's going to be gone phew, over my head, forgotten. Yeah. That's the way to, that's one of the benefits of the sport is how fast it moves. There's always things to talk about, but also one of the hindrances is sometimes these big issues pop up that probably deserve more focus, more time to talk about it as a community. Mm-hmm. And that tends to not happen because it's like, well, look at this big fight. They got announced. We got to talk about that. So I'm just saying all this. It's just kind of some of my thoughts while I was watching this card. I I don't claim to be an expert on mental illness and maybe I shouldn't judge here because what it who am I to say, you know, it looked like a sister that was there forgave him. They were embracing one another. So mm-hmm. why should I, you know, hold anything against them? Well, I really don't, but I just thought the post-fight speech was kind of gross and it just didn't make me feel good. Like as an MMA fan, like I didn't feel good watching this card after that, but right. I don't know, Dom, any, any final thoughts on this card or anything? No. Just a... um, I mean, you really hit the nail on the head there with just kind of your transparency at how this sport has to be viewed. And when there are moments like this, it's worth discussing. It's worth bringing to attention but then it will just go to the wayside, you know, and that's just right. how it works. So, Noah, the transparency there, the little uh, tangent, I loved it very much, my friend. Yeah, thank you. I don't, I don't, um, if anybody feels differently, like I don't hold that against anybody. Like if you think that, you know, it, if you feel like it was okay for him to be fight, like I'm not, I'm not even necessarily saying that I don't think it was okay. I just, it was just a, there's just a lot going on here. What, what yeah. was there enough enough help for him to ensure, hey, this is safe, not only physically but mentally, for you to be in this cage? Yeah, you know, like it just you know, we want guy, all these guys at the end of the day to be good in life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean that's another thing you have to overlook. You know, the a lot of these guys when they get done with the sport, they're not normally for the better. Sometimes, right. you know, there's a lot of head trauma and. You know, guys sometimes haven't made the most money, so yeah. they're they're you know struggling. Like I guess even you know there was even times where apparently Diego has been, you know, this is the guy that won the original Ultimate Fighter, has fought for a world title before. How is he struggling for money? You know, it's right. like it's just the, it's the dark side of the the yes. moon, the dark side of the sport. And as a podcast, we obviously tend to want to focus on the positive side. It's just here it was so glaring. It's like, I mean, I got to at least kind of air out some of this. And, and I'm not going to claim to be the the person, the moral uh, compass that, mm-hmm. you know, knows right from wrong all the time. But I don't know. I just walked away from this card going like I'm still probably going to watch the next one in America. You know, JDS, Jorgen DeCastro. But yeah. uh, there's just some... I didn't. I just didn't love a lot of what I saw here from what we just talked about, basically. 
Yeah. But let's move on to one FC lights out. I love one. how they name their events, by the way. I know. I do too. It kind of reminds me of the old UFC. Yeah. Like, yeah. They used to do it. But um, one of the things, one of the things uh-uh. about one is I keep calling them one FC, but I guess they prefer to go by one championship. Yeah. One championship. Now. So one championship lights out had two title fights and Dominic, they both had pretty big statements in our main event. Don Lee retains his title with the knockout over Gary Tonin Vicious. in round one. Your thoughts on this performance for Thon Lee? Yeah. I mean, look at the headline right there. When leg locks backfire, we don't see him get pulled off successfully much, but when they do, it's a badass submission. Well, this is one of those times where it does not pay off. Gary Tonin, the undefeated jiu-jitsu world champion, just absolute stud, the younger guy. I was looking at it like, okay, this is his coming out party. He can be the champion, dethrone Thon Lee, who's a veteran and been there and done that. Nope, not even close. Thon Lee not only is able to escape from the submission attacks, including the leg lock, he defends takedowns, then reverses uh, positioning, ends up on top of Gary Tonin and whacked him like whack-a-mole, Noah, right into the canvas, puts him to sleep. It yeah. was a nasty, nasty knockout, a way to make a statement. I mean, he's 36, 37 years old. He was just on the Contender Series a few years ago. He's been in LFA. I mean, this guy is a legitimate um, talent, you know, that one championship has. And for him to do that to an undefeated guy with so much momentum it's told me a lot. Yeah, both guys I didn't realize hadn't fought since like 2020. Like both were on pretty mm-hmm. big gaps in their activity. And Gary Tonin, I learned a little bit. You know, I'm not someone that watches competitive jiu-jitsu, so I'm not really familiar with. Like I knew who he was and I knew right. how credentialed he was, but I haven't like watched him. You know, I haven't watched him do competitive BJJ or whatever, but apparently his style is the leg lock. Like he, he pulls guard into like a Crazy. leg lock a lot, which in jujitsu can be very deadly if you're good at it. Yeah. In MMA, I think we're finding out though, that it might not be the best recipe because you're able to get punched in the face. And yeah. when you go for leg locks, that's one of the hindrances in MMA is that's why you don't see him get pulled off a lot outside of, of course, how hard it is to just get in that position and get a hold yeah. of someone's leg like that in general. But it's hard because that person that's leg you have, you can't defend your face if you really want to pull that off. Yeah. And they can just sit there and throw hammer fist. Exactly. Like Thon Lee did here. So that's when they backfire. But um, the bigger story here for me is Thon Lee. Thon Lee you're right. An LFA product fought on the contender series, didn't get a contract, makes his way to one FC in his mid thirties. And he just seems to get better and better. Like, yeah, I don't think people really had that high of expectations for him when he won the title. And he just seems to be like really taking this next step and taking it in stride. I mean, again, hadn't fought since like, I think it's been like a year and a half. I would love to see him fight again this year. He doesn't have a ton of time, obviously, like mm-hmm. you said, 36, 37 years old, something like that. But, I mean, right now he's he's fighting on another level to a lot of these guys in the promotion and really making himself stand out with a highlight reel like this as as a, a face of the 
a face that runs the place, if you will, you know, moving forward. Yeah, and I can't help but be stuck here wondering what could have been had Dana White signed him, you know, on that contender series <clears> run. Because <throat> we're looking at then, he was only, you know, 33, 34. So, yes, a little bit older than what most contender series guys are, but still right around those prime years. Maybe he could have had a few uh, fun scraps in the UFC. Maybe he could have made a run. We'll never know now. So that part is unfortunate, but to at least see him succeeding at such a high level in one makes up for it just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then the co-main event, Sheesh. we did see a title change hands. Bibiano Fernandez, the champion, no longer as he got knocked out with a vicious left hook by John Lineker. Had some awesome looking shorts on, by the way. I, was I know, those were sick. For... <laughs> Hands of Stone reaches the throne, Dominic. Uh, John Lineker has been a mainstay in, in our community's eyes for a long time. Obviously was very good in the UFC. Had some issues with cut weight, whatever. Ultimately gets cut. Probably a mistake in hindsight because he goes over to 1FC and he has looked magnificent. And mm-hmm. this is kind of the encapsulation yep. of his run. And he's reached the mountaintop. Um Give a few seconds for John Lineker here. Yeah, for sure. And now, so uh, the fight was sick. I was saying, way. I wasn't saying a moment of silence. <laughs> I was saying to give give some shine to John Lineker. Well, I kind of did. That was awesome. I, that was. <laughs> anyway, just talk, just talk about John Lineker, man. John... What the fuck? Hey, fight was sick. Back and forth. Both guys get knocked down in the first round. Second round was back and forth. Uh, But hands of stone. He's been known to knock people out. He's always carried power uh, to be a bantamweight, and it showed here again. No, he's 4-0-1. He's the champion now, and he's still only 31 years old. I mean, there's a lot left in him. He's got a shit ton of fights. He does have a ton of fights, and you're big on the fight years thing, which is a rightful argument. So you never know what is in the future, but right now it doesn't look like he's slowing down. It doesn't look like he skipped a beat. If anything, it looks like he's just continued to get better since he moved over here to one championship. So what a performance, uh, and especially to beat a guy in Bibiana who has experienced, been in title fights before and won. Wow. John Lineker, champion. Yeah, and I wonder if Bibiano Fernandez, if this is going to be about it. He's 41 years old, yeah, but he's still been fighting at such a high level. He even dropped John Lineker Bad. in round one. Yeah. Drop John Lineker. You know, that shows how good Fernandez still is. I almost wonder if you could run this fight back here in the future. And I mean, it would be a pretty big fight once again. Yeah. Uh, but John Lineker, man, I mean, I'm not surprised that he's the champion over here. I think, I think he had that kind of potential in the UFC. He did. Yeah. Wait, you know, he was trying to fight at flyweight, which is so crazy when you think about it. 125 pounds for him. I mean, that's crazy because he's fighting at bantamweight here, but bantamweight here. It's 145 pounds. 45, so, yeah. Absolutely insane that he was ever trying to fight at flyweight, and obviously he missed it quite a bit. But, um, yeah, he's he is really, I mean, 31 years old, like you said. He just, it's really nice to see that he's still making it work, you know, outside the UFC. Yeah, it was a feel-good moment, you know. Yeah, I can't believe Dominic took a moment of silence for... Um. <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, uh, let's get into some fight announcements. We got more on these cards later. Maybe a couple more moments of silence. But before then, <laughs> before then, we do have a couple really big fights to talk about that have been announced. Yeah. 
Uh, we start with a five-round main event, April 30th. Ooh. Ooh. Rob Font versus Marlon Vera. Main mm. event Marlon coming out for Ooh. this one. Uh, your expectations for this fight? There's no way this fight's boring. I think this is a phenomenal matchmaking here. It makes sense. Marlon is surging. Font is very good, but he's coming off of the loss right to Jose Aldo. So it, it this is just, it makes sense. Vera is a guy that deserves this opportunity. So he's going to be in his first main event slot. Rob Font has been there. As we all know, the uh, dreaded poster that was foul versus Entito. We'll never forget that poster. Moment of silence for that poster, huh? Not just kidding. But uh, I think this is a sick fight. It's going to be a stand-up battle. Um, I, I can't wait for that. The five rounds, April 30th. And, and the high stakes, you know, because if Vera can win that, he puts himself right into title contention in one of the deepest, if not arguably the deepest division, honestly. It's right up there with lightweight. Don't get it twisted at 135 pounds. So this fight checks every single box for me, and I just can't wait to see it. Yeah, I'm interested to see how Marlon Vera holds up over the course of five rounds, if it goes that long, obviously. Uh, if this fight goes into rounds four and five, how well does his skill set hold up? How well does the gas tank hold up? Because we've seen Rob Font do it pretty easy. I mean, that five-rounder with Cody Garbrandt purely was not getting tired at all. Even when he was getting beat up by Jose Aldo, he didn't look any less active in round five that he did in round one. So yeah. an interesting battle there. And for both guys, um, they tend to be a little more patient. So it's going to be interesting to see who's going to be trying to throw more volume or who's going to be the more active fighter in this matchup. I definitely think – I love it. I love the matchup because I really don't know how it's going to play out, and that's the mm -hmm. best types where you go into it with really not a lot of, I guess, you know, the last couple main events as comparison – I felt like they played out pretty much exactly how people were expecting. This one, no idea how Couldn't it's going to play out. Yeah. yeah. Also, oof, excuse me, June 11th. We UFC called this one. 275. I don't think this one's official yet, but we're going to take the risk and put it on here. Robert Whitaker versus Marvin Vittori. Skinny Rob purely means fight camp, ready to go. We told you well, you did. I think I was kind of like, oh, maybe. But um, so Robert Whitaker, Marvin Vittori, 185 pounds. Is this the right decision for Robert Whitaker, Dominic? I mean, was there something to the people thinking maybe he was going back down to welterweight? You know, was that considering he's lost twice, and really Vittori has two lost twice to the champion? <laughs> yeah, true. Was this the right decision for him? Yeah, I think so, man. I can't see him back down at 170. I get where there was the thought process of it, and I understand that. But uh, at the end of the day, he wasn't that successful at 170. He's been an absolute animal at 185. Um, so I think this is a great fight. They obviously haven't fought each other. Interesting stylistic battle, too, because there's not many great grapplers in this division. Vittori would be one of them up there with, like, Derek Brunson. But Vittori has shown to go five rounds on the feet as well and be willing to stand and trade dangerous here against Rob, considering he's so good at picking people apart and just moving so quickly on the feet. Uh, but for that reason alone, there's a lot of intangibles of this one. There's obviously high stakes to a certain degree, not a title shot, obviously. Well, Cannoneer, eh, nah. I'm going to say no title shot on the line still, but you got to keep your name 
in the talks, right? You got to keep amongst the contenders, and this is one of those fights here. So uh, I like it a lot. Again, when it's fresh in a division that seems like it has a lot of staleness to it at times, uh, that makes me feel good, and that's why I like this matchup so much. That's what's at stake here. The winner gets to remain among the contenders. The yep. loser may start to fall out a little bit, at least yep. for the time being. I mean, I still think Marvin Vittori, you, you heard some of the things Dana White said about him. They really think he could be like a big star. So, yeah, true. you know, they're going to have a close eye on his career no matter which way he's going. But Robert Whitaker, I got to agree. It's probably the right choice to stay at 185 pounds. I mean, I get the knee-jerk reaction. You've lost twice to the champion. You know you could probably go to back down to 170 pounds and do pretty well, we would think. But... I mean, he's the second best of the at the, up to this point. He has proven to be clearly the second best middleweight in the world. I mean, and there's no discussion. Like, why not stay in that division? I mean, I don't think. Do I really think he's going to be better at 170 pounds than he is at 185? No, because he's proven that that's not the case. Yeah, we're not. It's not like we're not cam- campaigning for Colby Covington to move weight classes, and he's lost twice to Camaro. And but he's the clear cut <laughs> number two guy. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of the same thing for Rob. Yeah, exactly. But I think it's a great fight. It, yes. it, obviously, the stakes are a little lessened. Like it's not like you're fighting for a title shot, but that doesn't necessarily matter here because both guys are really fighting at high levels. Even if they lost to Israel Adesanya, we just know how good Izzy is. But right, um, it's an interesting matchup. The some of the best takedown defense in the UFC for Rob and a guy like Marvin Vittori, who I don't know if he's going to really want to strike with Rob for five rounds. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Now, before we get back into some of those cards from the weekend, some things we missed. Dominic Greg Hardy announced on his Instagram that he was released by the UFC. Your thoughts on his run as a whole, and I guess, was this the right call by the UFC? I view his UFC tenure as a, a bit of an experiment. I guess I kind of threw that word around when he coming off of the loss in our recap episode, mm-hmm. but it, and I say that because he's an ex NFL football player, uh, a freak athlete. He was a pro bowler for crying out loud in the NFL. So can that freak athleticism come over to MMA and make noise? You know what I'm saying? So, and that reason is why I view this as an experiment. He had good moments. I mean, shit, his best performance was in a loss to Alexander Volkov. We've said that time and time again on this show, but um, he's lost three in a row all by KO TKO. There was never much upside, and at this point in his, you know, career where he's at in terms of age, there's only so much you can do. The heavyweight division's at a very good state right now compared to where it's been the past few years, so there's not many good matchups for him. It didn't make much sense if he didn't keep winning. He had his time. He got put on every freaking main card imaginable, but when you lose, sometimes you just get cut, and no matter how big you are, no matter what your name is, it happens, and that's what happened here with Greg Hardy. Yeah, Greg Hardy, you know, I know I said my piece about how offensively or on the feet, like, he does some good things and that maybe could make him UFC caliber, but he's probably getting paid a lot more than just to be UFC caliber. And because of that, I mean, this experiment was, it it did better than the CM Punk experiment did. True. So I guess that's a plus, but... Besides that, I mean, it's still kind of a failure, right? Right, right. Maybe the UFC should just stick to, you know, promoting the best fighters in the world and stop with this. Yeah, until proven otherwise, anyway. 
Yeah. I mean, Brock Lesnar worked out, I guess. Exactly. But... <laughs> yeah. Um, also, Dominic, we had a PFL executive, an unnamed executive, along with Kayla Harrison. You know, it's been kind of weird following this Kayla Harrison thing because we announced sometime in the last week or so that Kayla Harrison was officially back with the PFL. But if you've been following her on her social media, you kind of get the idea, and in her interview she's been doing, you kind of get this idea that she doesn't really want to be back in the PFL. Like she's yeah. she's saying the right things. She's, you know, putting on a good face, but you can tell that she really wanted to go test herself against yeah. you know, Chris Cyborg or Amanda Nunez. Now her and this uh and you know the PFL are sort of pitching this idea of co-promoting with Bellator a two-fight series between Kayla Harrison and Chris Cyborg, one fight for each promotion that could play into the PFL's obviously pay-per-view mm-hmm. thing they're doing and Bellator, you know, that would just be another big fight that they could have on their slate. Your thoughts on this concept? How doable is this? What is the likelihood that this actually happens, Dominic? I, I, the two fight series thing is um, interesting. I didn't even see that part, which is, I mean, it does make sense. Two fights for each. I did see the tweet too, where the guy was like, Hey Scott, uh, whoever loses that organization play, pays the production cost of the event and all this shit. I'm like, this is weird. Why are you doing this on Twitter? This is odd. Uh, but then even cyborgs tweeting back, like, you know, if, as long as the money's there, you know, cause I'm the a side, yada, yada, yada. She's got a fight book now to fight uh, in April, by the way, this, title fight that we talked about on friday too so um we talked about it like if the uh, pfl is going to do these pay-per-view events this is the only one that we could see justifying uh paying for (laughs) to have a pay-per-view event for them so i'm all for the co-promotion at the end of the day if the pfl wants this pay-per-view thing to be a success which i don't think it will be if they want it at all they have to co-promote and the only organization that's probably going to be willing to do it with them is Bellator, and honestly, outside of this fight, Bellator probably doesn't even want to touch it either. So I get it. Maybe they're already kind of like, oh, shit, maybe this pay-per-view thing isn't the best idea. I don't really know what's going on in the back offices. All I know is I want to see Harrison versus Cyborg. If it happens like this, I'm fine with it. I just need to see the fight at some point. Man, Kayla's been saying in these interviews, too, like how the PFL has promised her because this was a multi-year deal, because this year she's going to be in the season. Looks like that would be in 2023, the year of the the big fights, quote-unquote, maybe even later this year. But uh, if you're promising her these fights, how the hell are you going to make those promises come to fruition here? Because it's no guarantee that Cyborg is going to want to come do this. So uh, I don't know. It's, it's like treading very shallow waters for me. It's odd. We've never seen anything like this. Yeah, your thoughts are a little interesting to me because you were kind of talking about the pay-per-view thing and how PFL might be already having second thoughts. And I that's not really where my mind went here. I actually think that there's a really good chance that this co-promotion is going to happen. Reason being that Bellator has always shown yeah. a willingness to co-promote. They've done it with Ryzen. I believe they've done it with... Uh, Oh, Ryzen, but I, I know they've done it with other promotions. And I mean, Scott Coker back when he was with Strike Force would co promote then too. So, yeah. Um, I think there's a good chance this actually does happen. I think there might even be some sort of plan, kind of not 
not like a deal in place, but I feel like there's already been talks mm-hmm. is my is my best guess. And um it just seems like either Chris Cyborg is gonna her contract's gonna run out and she's gonna go to the PFL or they're gonna keep her in Bellator and they need to do this two fight series. You gotta do it. I mean Yeah. There's uh, there's obviously some matchups for Kayla and Bellator that are interesting only because they're fresh faces, they're new fights, and then in PFL, she's got Julia Budd, which I mean is an okay fight. But that's it. Chris Cyborg's just, I mean, doing laps around her division right now. Yeah. We need some fre- something to freshen up this division for both organizations. And yeah. This is the fight to do it. You do a two-fight series, it would be a pretty big deal. Again, I don't know financially how much it would be worth it for like the PFL to put it on like pay-per-view Bellator's got to deal with Showtime. So they're, you know, they're good. Yeah. I mean, that'll be good. Great for them. But for the PFL, I'm not sure about this, you know, pay-per-view deal, but again, I'm not worried about that. I just want to see the fight. Exactly. Damn. Now let's get into the rest. Cause we have some more fights to talk about from this weekend, Dominic. And it starts with Fubo TV presents the PFL Challenger Series, and it was the featherweights this week. So, mm. um, a division that's usually pretty pretty good. So I was interested, and in, uh, well, it was. <laughs> you know, I took a week off. Women's yeah. lightweights. I not because it was women's lightweights. I just I got a little frustrated after yeah. week two. You were so open took, about I took, it. I took a week off. Now I come back here, and the celebrity panel was Randy Couture, Vitor Belfort, who actually have fought each other twice in the past, so it was kind of interesting, and former NFL center Nick Mangold. Actually, Ohio boy, I believe. True, yep. His sister, I think they both played at Alter, which is mm-hmm. a high school that we have played in the playoffs before. This so, is true. Fun fact. So, um, nothing to be said about the celebrity panel. It is what it is. But um, as far as the winner, Boston Salmon, a name that I only remember because he won a contract on the very first episode of Dana White's Contender Series, which tells you that it probably didn't go too well when he got that (laughs) contract. But um, this was the worst batch of fights I've seen on the show, to be honest. I mean, I, I was watching Eagle FC on my TV, and I had this on my laptop. So... Obviously, I was paying more attention to the TV than I was the laptop, but I was trying to pay attention. But man, some of these fights just weren't that great. If I'm being yeah. honest, they just not a whole lot to be said here. But Boston Salmon gets a contract. I liked his performance on the Contender Series back in the day because I told you I went back and rewatched yeah. recently. So I remember watching him. I was like, man, this guy looks good. And then I looked and I was like, well, he obviously didn't do anything in the UFC because I had never heard of him and that was the case. But I like him being thrown in here to PFL. I think maybe, who knows, maybe he could make some noise here. Yeah, for sure. Because these winners get put into the uh, tournament coming up this year too, Yeah, right? besides so. the one guy, when they had the two contracts given out, mm-hmm. the one well, guy yeah. got a developmental deal. But yes, yeah, so pretty much know. everybody else, yeah. That could be interesting for Boston there. You never know what can happen. Yeah, but I mean, that's really all I have to say. I mean, look, I'm paying 65 bucks 
for this. So you guys are going to get this for two more weeks before <laughs> I cancel and we'll just forget that it ever happened. I will say I noticed something interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, they, shit, now I can't remember, man. God, it's the PFL Challenger Series. I mean, what do you guys want? What do you guys expect? You know? <laughs> Week seven, they said, fuck, I can't remember now. Rather than doing like a, you know, each week so far has been like oh, a weight class. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. What is it? Week seven. They're doing, they're, it's uh, multiple weight classes. Like they're doing, yeah, uh, they're was, doing more than four fights, but there I think. Was, there was like a theme, I thought. It was like, was it guys who returning or I There forget. is something to it. Yeah. But anyways, they're shaking things up, baby. There you go. So Too bad your you uh, subscription weed <laughs> out by then. <laughs> yeah, it runs out after heavyweights. So, sorry, but this is what you're going to get for the next two weeks. So, yeah. enjoy it while you get it. Anyway, back to the UFC co-main event. Song Yadong gets the biggest win of his career with the knockout of Marlon Marais in round one. <sighs> we know how dangerous Marlon Marais can be, especially in the first round, Dominic. Even on this losing streak, he's been on. But here, I mean, Song Yudong was very aggressive, was um, looking to put him away early, and he eventually found his mark and did. Uh, to me, yeah, Song Yudong is a great win. It's going to put him right into the top 10 and, you know, at 24 years old or whatever that he is right now. Yeah, like, it's crazy. That's very impressive, and he's got some big fights ahead. The bigger story here for me personally is the downfall of Marlon Marais, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I mean, it felt like it was the nail in the coffin was the Marab fight, but this is like, oh, he's like out of the UFC potentially now. Yeah. I mean, um, this is four. His, he's out of his last five fights, he's lost four of them all via finish. And the one win he has in that span was against Jose Aldo, and I think most people scored that fight. For Jose, Jose. yeah. So it's not been a great last few years for Marlon Marais. Um, so unfortunate. Talk about the dark side of the moon, the dark side of the sport. You know, this is the what's that thing that we always talk about? The UFC does like the when they show the, the thrill and the agony. Yes, the thrill and the agony. You see Song Yudong, this young stud, finally kind of reaching mm-hmm. his potential and he gets a big fight next in the top 10, maybe a dominant cruise fight. What, you know, something like that. Meanwhile, former title challenger, former world series of fighting champion, yep. Marlon Marais, potentially just fought for the last time in the UFC. It just took his gloves off. Yeah. It's sad, man. It is. It is for sure. And you know, I was on that side of being all excited for song Yudong, And then it's like, after the fact, wait a minute, because I did see it all over Twitter, like, well, what, what does this mean for Marlon? Is this the end of Marlon, the downfall? He just fought for a title a couple years ago, and it was very quick. And we've seen this in the past where it just comes like that so quickly right in front of your eyes. Before you even realize it, they're not fighting in the UFC anymore. So that is a very real possibility here for Marlon if yeah. he doesn't retire. I don't think he's put out anything as of today. We're recording on Sunday. Um, so it is sad if it is the end of the road, damn, he was in exciting fights, win or lose. It would be a shame to go out like this, but that's how it works, especially for a lot of guys that are on that, the end of their career that are looking at retirement. They don't always go out the way they want to, man. It can't all be like Habib 
in GSP, you know. So that that is a definitely a shame. And again, just for Song Yudong, the combination he put together was so crisp to do it to Marlon in the first round when he is the most dangerous is what was like, whoa, okay. This was because Song was patient. He wasn't getting into any crazy flurries. And then to put that combo together, finish it off with the right uppercut was nasty. So uh, excited for Song, sad for Marlon. Again, the uh, 135-pound division, it's insane. I guess you're right that he was patient, but, man, he felt so aggressive to me. So fast. You know, typically, I would say that's a a trait of Song Yudong at this point is his patience. But here, I thought there was like some added, uh, mm. yeah, like he was really going for the finish yes. here early. So I mean, good on him. He, you know, he he. It took him a minute to find the the to land the right. shot, but Marice's chin just hasn't been able to withstand it, and he took one here, and it was it was done. I mean, yeah. it was over. No follow ups yeah. needed. So Mm-mm. unfortunate. But for Song Yudong, I mean. A fight with Dominic Cruz? Are you interested? That is a cool fight. I don't know what Dom even wants to do with his career. I love that the fights he's been taking recently are just like, fuck it, I'll fight somebody. So uh, maybe he does do that. I think it'd be a fun fight. Obviously, a huge test for Yudong. I still think Dominic Cruz is amongst some of the best bantamweights in the world, the way he looks Mm -hmm. at times. So I would be for it, man. I would. Yeah, considering the way he fought Pedro Munoz, I mean, that was an Mm -hmm. awesome fight and showed how much... I think durability he still has and yeah you know he's not just a a slick technical fighter I mean he can really get into a brawl still if it yes. needs to um sorry you don't would be an interesting matchup but I guess we will have to wait and see on that one so mm-hmm. also on his card the fight that nobody expected to oh, go shit. distance Alex Pajera ultimately does get the unanimous decision win over Bruno Silva and the result that I think most expected, Alex Pajara getting the win here, but it didn't necessarily come as easy as maybe a lot of people thought. Um, the, I'm a little, I find myself really looking at this fight and needing more time probably to digest it. But if I'm going to ask the big questions to you, Dominic, I mean, when you see this fight and you see the performance of Pajara, I mean, where do you go next with him? He's 34 years old. You know he's got the kickboxing background that is uber talented, and he's the guy that knocked out Israel Adesanya. Is he getting top 15 next? I would say they probably would do this next for him. I think they do have that in the back of their minds, them being the UFC, by the way, of, oh, this could be a big fight. Pajara versus Adesanya, you have the kickboxing background like Noah mentioned. To me, though... Don't get me wrong. Alex's kickboxing is, like, amazing. His combinations, his knees, his hooks, everything, the way it comes in is so perfect. But this wasn't a crazy, like, I don't know. I don't have big takeaways from this in terms of, like, so much positivity for Alex. And I know Bruno's tough as shit. He's such a tough opponent. Uh, I'm still shocked right now that this fight even went three rounds. Um, I mean, Bruno... He said he was going to engage with him on the feet for the whole fight, and he did, really. Yes, for most yeah, part. and took all the shots, close to being finished, but again, never got put away. I, I can't help but feel like Pajara took this fight lightly. Yeah, it does feel that way. Well, The, the whole week, he's like talking shit about Izzy because he beat him in kickboxing and stuff, and I was like, dude, pump the 
breaks, man. This is MMA. Izzy's like the second best pound pound fighter in the world. I get it. You beat him in kickboxing. This is a whole new ball game. And then he goes out and has this performance against Bruno, and I'm backing that up even more now with my mindset of like, okay, I get it. You're good. You're a good striker. But the second, I feel like the second that he gets tested with some guy that even is remotely good at grappling and wants to even remotely get close to doing it in a fight with him, therefore potentially leading to a loss for Pahea, I think it's done. I think the experiment Mm -hmm. in the UFC is done at that moment. So with that in mind, I think the UFC is going to be strategic in the way that they go about matchmaking him, and I think they're going to be careful and very selective with how they move forward. I think you are very right. I think you nailed it there as far as what the UFC is going to do. Um, I don't know who that next opponent might be, but, I mean, surely there's going to be some guys right there in the top 15 that are big strikers that you're going to want to maybe put him up against. If I if I were to book a fight for him next, I'm going to be honest. I would give him Derek Brunson. Wow, so you kind of are throwing him up there high, though. Yeah, because we know that on the feet, I don't think anybody can fuck with him besides Izzy. I mean, yeah. he, look at how big and long he is. He's definitely the real deal here. I mean, don't get me wrong. This performance didn't necessarily blow me away. He, uh, in my opinion, I think he kind of played with his food a little bit. Like, yeah, he probably could have gotten the finish. I mean, Bruno Silva, like you said, I think he's got a bright future. I mean, I, I yeah. think Bruno Silva's awesome, but in terms of the matchup, it was a terrible matchup for him. Yeah, and Pereira just didn't really kick it in the next year, which. But it's still, he was definitely winning the majority of this yeah. fight, and. I, to me, it's like there's no test left besides you either throw him against a grappler or honestly you just <laughs> you just do him and Izzy next anyways. Like yeah. I mean, it's just truthfully, I mean, there's really it's like what are we waiting on him most? You know, it's just like he's not getting any younger. Mm-hmm. I know after his first win, I think we both were like, we'll pump the brakes on this Izzy talk. But now I'm just kind of like almost getting tired of it. Like when I kept hearing all the trash talk, I'm like, okay, like I get it. Kickboxing, you know, whatever. But like, let's just move. Can we just get a resolution to this? Like, I don't want to have to hear this trash talk for the next two years while he works his way up. Right. Other strikers who are well below his pedigree. Just let's find a, give him the test now. If he passes it, give him the title fight. I mean, that's this division needs some new blood, anyways. That, so, that I do agree for sure. That's where I'm kind of at. But if they're they're not going to do Derek Brunson, they're definitely not going to do that because Derek Brunson would probably maul him. But Pahara, much like Izzy, you know what Izzy did to Brunson back in the day, that could also be the result. So true. Um, that's really my thoughts. Just. I don't know. It was the fight. <laughs> Honestly, like the third round got a, a little better, but considering what we thought this fight was going to be, yeah. kind of a letdown, right? For sure. I agree. Yeah. Uh, but following that, Damon Jackson was a fun ass put on fight. a great performance against Camuela Kirk. <laughs> I think that's how they said it on the broadcast. I don't mm-hmm. have to talk like he's the vice president anymore. <laughs> But uh, Damon Jackson gets the submission, like much like he's been known to do in the past. In round two, four minutes, 42 seconds. My question to you, Dominic, 
is top 15 next for Damon Jackson. Mm, he's close. He's like right there. I'll tell you, you know what? If they do it, I'm not going to. You should. Yeah, I'm not going to complain about it. I think he's very underrated. Yeah, the submissions, I mean, alone, it's it's a skill set that is not always seen highly in the rankings. You know, these submission specialists who, but he can be a bit of a dog on the feet. He's so scrappy. Yeah. Yeah, he's scrappy as well. So, I mean, he was winning pretty much most of his fight wherever it went. And he just sort of smothered. Kim Kirk just overwhelmed him. And, um, you know, the tattoo on the back, I don't know what's going on now. I was going to text <laughs> you about that one. <laughs> I, I, I'm assuming it's a work in progress. Yeah. Two yeah. black lines on the back is interesting. <laughs> um, however, I do think, like, you know when a guy is balding like that, but he doesn't shave his head, he just don't give a fuck. I know. So That's what I get. When I see Damon, that's what I feel like from him. <laughs> like, if I, if I pull up on a guy like that, I ain't fucking with him. No, no. I'm like, that man totally doesn't give a fuck. Look at his hair. Then he's going to ankle pick our asses, you know? <laughs> Do an Eminari roll. Yes, man. yeah. Hold on, brother. I'm talking. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I thought it was a great performance. I think top 15 should be next. I, and I like the way he was talking afterwards. He was like, look, I know Bryce Mitchell said, you know, I'll just take anybody or anybody. But no, nah, I want someone in the top 15 next. Well, he called out, actually, Edson. He said he would fight Edson. Yeah, I think that would be a, a good fight. Yeah. Honestly, I don't know if that's a great fight for Damon Jackson, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. But I know I said that about Bryce Mitchell, so who knows? True, true. Um, following that, Miranda Maverick. On short notice, she does get the submission win over Sabina Mazo, Round two, two minutes, 15 seconds. I mean, I think the story here, Dominic, was even on short notice – Miranda Maverick's just a lot better than Sabina Mazo is. And um, it took a little while for the separation to come, but once uh, Miranda really committed to that submission, I mean, she got that. It was very impressive the way she was able to pull off the the rear naked choke, kind of wrapped herself almost like an anaconda. Like she had the choke in and then just had to slide her body into the back position to really finish it off. Yeah, this was the performance I think we needed to see from Miranda because she came into the UFC. She was so good. There was hype there behind her. She faltered, even though, again, we think she beat Macy, but it's a loss at the end of the day. Uh, then she lost to Aaron Blanchfield. We said that told us a lot more about Aaron, to be honest. But this, Miranda took this on short notice against much bigger uh, Mazo, much taller, much longer. So it wasn't easy for Miranda to close that distance, but she found the way to do it. And she dominated when it was on the ground. She got the submission. I had her to go via decision. So her even getting a stoppage, I think, said even more. I think she's right back on track to where she was before the Macy Barber fight. A much-needed win and a much-needed finish. And finally, Guido Canetti in his 40s gets his first TKO win since 2012. Wow, with, really? With a 2-minute, 7-second standing KO or standing TKO win. Over Chris Moutinho, I, I mean, maybe Sean O'Malley just ain't that good, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I, I knew as soon as it happened, I'm like, man, people are going to really come out and be like, yeah. wow, Sean O'Malley couldn't get it done faster. Okay, calm down. Um, Guido Canetti looked fantastic. I mean, the, the he was throwing ferocious strikes. Unfortunately for Chris Moutinho, I said going in, my concern, I might have mentioned this more on the betting show, which 
By the way, the over two and a half rounds on this fight. <laughs> Silly me. Rip. But um, Moutinho was being given a lot of credit for her, the way he lost to His Sean His durability, Malley. yeah. He never really hurt Sean. He hit him with a few strikes, but never really hurt him. Yeah. So he was mostly being given credit for just how much of a warrior he was, how much punishment yeah. he took. What's clear is that for a guy at this level, he takes way too many clean it's punches. Yeah. And you saw it here again. I mean, he didn't go down, which is impressive, but I I hate to say it cuz I was I had some hope for Chris Moutinho when, you know, after that fight, but I just don't think he's UFC caliber to be honest. I don't think yeah. I think he's almost too tough for his own good. Um yeah, I think it's a short-lived stint in the UFC, unfortunately. Yeah, that could definitely be the case. And another, that dark Porsche just coming out a little bit, a lot on this card. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that's the way it is sometimes. By the way, have we seen a guy come in, first two fights in UFC, get TKO'd, but both times be standing? It's really <laughs> wacky, you know? Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, that's just how tough he is. I mean, you saw the yeah. shots he was taking here. And he I mean, started good. You know, Guido kind of even fought back from adversity a little bit. Did he? I, I really don't remember besides Kennedy just molly bombs. I mean, Kennedy just, I, I, not a ton to say, you know, for Kennedy. I mean, again, to be doing this in your 40s, your first yeah. TKO win in 10 years, I mean, that's yeah. awesome. But for Chris Moutinho, the guy that kind of had some hype or some potential maybe, or people just had some hope for him. I just don't think it's, I think it's, uh, short lived. Yeah. Short lived. Yeah. And finally, Bellator 276, Dominic, we may have found our next contender for Gegard Mousasi, and it's another undefeated wrestler. Johnny Eblen gets the unanimous decision win over former title challenger, John Salter made it look pretty, pretty easy. I mean, John Salter is a tough fight, especially when you're fighting on the mat yeah. for most of the 15 minutes, but Johnny Eblen, D1 wrestler, looked fantastic. I guess my question for you would be how do you do you, how much more or less hope do you have for Johnny Eblen against Gegard Mousasi that you did Austin Vanderford? Yeah, that's the discussion, right? We even talked about that when Austin got TKO'd in a minute and a half. It's like, so we're gonna keep getting wrestlers at number one, number two, number three. <laughs> Then they get a title shot against Yeagard, but apparently wrestling ain't enough to beat Yeagard. Musasi is still just that damn good, Noah. So, Evelyn, hey, 11-0, 7-0 in Bellator, I think you said. He's a stud. Is it enough for Yeagard? Because then we're going to have another title fight here where you look at the experience difference, and it's wavelengths of difference. So, I I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, I think he's literally got very close to the same kind of record (laughs) Vanderford has. I mean, I feel... It feels a lot like copy and paste, but again, this is the only difference that could be there. Wrestling is the right skill to have against Gegard Mousasi. The problem is Vanderford just wasn't able to. Can really you move. get him there? It, well, it's, yeah, he like I mean, he just got lit up like immediately. Yeah. Wasn't moving his head, wasn't blocking yeah. punches very well, and he just got hurt by like everything. Yeah. Can Eblen withstand a little more? Can he, you know, it's just it's just going to take a little bit more than just being a good wrestler. And I'm not saying Vanderford doesn't have that. I'm just saying in that fight, that was, he right. didn't. Yeah. So, 
Um, I don't have a ton of expectations for Eblen in that fight, but it, how could you? I mean, it's a tough, exactly. tough fight. And also Dominic on the prelims. For, I missed out. For Bellator. We saw maybe, I mean, one of the craziest fun fights that I've gotten to see in a long time, and this year especially. Alex Polizzi gets the submission over Jose Augusto in round three, 49 seconds in. These two went to war. And, you know, not a ton I can say because both these guys are kind of just, they are who they are right now. But for Bellator's heavyweight division, that's probably one of the weakest divisions for them uh, overall. Yeah. Not a very strong division. Yeah. Sure, you got a couple guys at the top, but, like, should Tim Johnson really be, like, a top five heavyweight in your division? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Guys like this who throw down like this, this is going to be what improves that heavyweight division. I believe Polizzi was ranked coming in here. And Jose Augusto is the guy who, uh, on short notice, fought Anthony Johnson and gave him a decent fight before oh, getting okay. put away. So um, even though those are two losses, he's a pit bull brother. Uh, product, gotcha. So um, I think there's a future for both these guys in this division. And this is the kind of guys that are going to turn this division around and into a brighter future where we actually get some fun fights in here. Amen. But that's going to wrap it up, Dominic, for the weekend recap. We will be back on Thursday. UFC London coming at you. Oh, my. Another fun card to go it over. It is. So a lot of big fights. And obviously Friday we'll have the nosebleeds, the betting breakdown for that very UFC London card. But until then, Dominic, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. You can find me on Twitter, on Instagram, at Deasley14. More importantly, go follow, go engage, go interact with the podcast with us on Twitter, on Instagram, at B-A-J underscore MMA podcast. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram, at NTBaker underscore. If you go to my bio on either of those, there is a link that will take you to the link tree which presents you a list of links to all the platforms the podcast on along with social media platforms. So that includes the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, and Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. It's all on there. And there's a couple links for today's sponsor, Anchor. Shout out to Anchor. Shout out. First one, leaving a voice message. If you have a thought about an upcoming fight, a news story, if you want to give any sort of predictions, any picks that you've made on the betting side, you can do it there up to... 60 seconds yes. we'll feature it on the show yes there's also a link if you want to become a supporter a financial supporter of the podcast again we just appreciate any and all support though but that's it dominic we're out and we'll see you guys on thursday